0: We have the great pleasure and privilege of uh, welcoming Grace and Gabe to us, students from Asbury. There was a great outpouring of God's Spirit earlier in the year and some of you were fortunate enough to go and participate in that. My son uh, and his team from Atlanta uh, had the great uh, joy of going and seeing what the Lord was up to and it was a great blessing to many people. Kristen, who is, of course, a long-term member of our church, went down herself, having been an Asbury student um, some years back, not that many years, but, you know, some years back, and, um, and uh, said that it would be great for us to get some guys to share testimony. And so we've invited Grace and Gabe, they're going to come. I've given them microphones and everything. So uh, come and join us. And I think, great round of applause. That's great. Yeah, very good. And I think... Uh, Grace and then Gabe. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. lovely. Go for it, Grace. Okay, thank
1: you. Um, sorry, I'll come a little closer. I'm short. Um, <laughs> first of all, thank you all so much for having us. I appreciate you inviting us, you and we're really glad to be welcome. here. Um, there was a lot that happened with the outpouring of God's Spirit. Um, There's a lot we could talk about, um, but there were two things that God kind of laid on my heart that I wanted to share with you today. One was something I experienced about who God is, and another was kind of a healing that God did in my life. Um, So the first, kind of, for those who don't know much about it or you haven't seen anything about it, is um, just to kind of explain a little bit of it. It goes along with discovering a bit more about God's character. Um, When I walked in the chapel that day, um, I walked in about 2 o'clock. The revival kind of started right after chapel, which was at 10. And I actually skipped chapel that day. I was sick, and I never skipped chapel, so it was the worst day to skip chapel. Um, But I got in the chapel at 2 o'clock after getting off my work shift, and it was just immediately there was something different in the air. Like I don't even have words to put to it. There was just something different. It felt lighter, but tighter in a good way, if that makes any sense. Like, almost like a hug that isn't smothering you, but kind of smothering you, but you want (laughs) to be smothered, if that makes sense. And it it was just like, what is happening? And I came in through the back of the chapel, and everything was happening down at the front. There were students um, just playing instruments, acoustic. Nothing was plugged in. People were singing, tone-deaf people, way too loud people, way too quiet people. You would think it would have sounded terrible, but it was honestly the most beautiful sound I've ever heard in my life. And so I ran down to the front. I saw a friend. And I stood next to her, and I said, what's happening? And she, she had tears streamed down her face. She's like, I don't know, but I don't want to go anywhere. And I was like, I'm here for it. So I started worshiping myself, and it was just hours. I mean, I was there from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. that first day. And you didn't want to go. You forgot you were hungry. I forgot I wasn't even feeling well earlier in the day. Like, I didn't want to be anywhere else, and I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just there. And this presence that I kind of talked about at the beginning when you walked in, it just got clearer and clearer that it was just the spirit there and the spirit doing what the spirit does. And I couldn't, again, I can't even put it into words to you. I wish I could explain it better than a warm hug that you don't want but do want. I don't know. But just being there, I was like, God, any doubt I have ever had of you not being good is completely eradicated right now. A good God doesn't step in and do doesn't step in and come like this. If he wasn't good, he must be good. And whatever spirit is hovering over this place right now is good. And I don't know anywhere else where people 18 to 25 are gonna take an entire day, not a one of them on TikTok, not a one of them on Instagram, not a one of them running out to go shopping. Everybody was just in that place for one reason, and that was to praise God. And in praising God, his spirit met us in such a beautiful way. So I learned more about what it means for God to be good, so that last song we just sang, it's just such a beautiful reminder, I'm like, God, you are more than good, I don't have a better word to describe it, I wish I did, but you were just that good, um, so that was, that was one beautiful thing I was really glad that the Lord kind of shared with me and showed me, um, and there was a lot of various healing things, I think, that happened for all students, and I think all of us experienced healing of various things, um, but one thing for me, one major thing for me, was healing of my pride. I've been aware for years that sometimes I have a pride issue. It's something I have to pray about regularly for God to keep me in check. Um, and with revival, a lot of us have been talking about it since I arrived at Asbury as a freshman. Um, I was a sophomore this past semester. So my freshman year, I was like, yeah, like let's be praying for revival together. And I did that a lot, actually, freshman year. And sophomore year came around, and I didn't so much But that second semester, for some reason, we started talking about revival more in January, which was a month before it ended up happening. So I started praying about it again, and I was like, God, if revival's gonna happen here, please let me be a part of it. Like, I want to be a part of it. And I'm not joking when I tell you, and I'm not proud of this, but somebody came, I work at our coffee shop. Somebody came to the coffee shop at 1 o'clock the day revival broke out, and they said, revival's happening. Come check it out. And I looked at them dead in the face, and I said, I missed chapel this morning. I asked God to be a part of it. It's not happening. I wasn't there. It's not (laughs) happening. (laughs) How arrogant of me to put God in a box like that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's funny. So when I got to chapel and I ran down there and I was staying next to my friend, I think I was there maybe 10 minutes And it was one of those moments where you hear something clear as day that you're like, that is not my thought. That's nobody else talking. That is God right there. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. He said to me, Grace, I do not need you for anything, Mm -hmm. but I invite you to be a part of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. This revival would have happened with or without you, Mm -hmm. but now that you're here, I want you to be a part of it. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that will wreck your pride. I was uh, on my knees. I was like, I'm sorry that I thought I was going to bring it. That is not right. This is you. Um, and this is, thank you for letting me do my part Mm. in being a part of what God's doing. Thank you for letting me share what he's done. Thank you for letting me bring that to you, and I love that word that God said over me because it wasn't something to make me feel ashamed that I had had some pride about it, but what it did was remind me of who God is and that the God of the universe, who loves and created me, invites me to be a part of what he's doing, and that's something he does, and it's something he extends to all of us. He invites all of us. To mm. be a part of what he 's doing, awesome. so I just want to offer that encouragement That's as wonderful. well
0: that 's really wonderful, grace very good, thank you very much thank you yeah i used to I used to be prideful, but then now i 'm perfect, so it 's fine
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Gabe, feel free to share away, brother. yeah, well thank you so much. Uh, our stories are actually really similar, <laughs> which is really cool, uh, but you know i 'll tell it from a different perspective. I got my own some own little quirks to it, (laughs) Um, but I, this was my first year at Asbury, so I just finished my freshman year there, and it was really hard for me, some of the transitioning elements. Uh, Leaving from my solid church family, which I had grown up in, and um, really felt God's presence in, number one. Number two, leaving my family, and number three, um, I went through like a really hard breakup um, during, during that transition. So The devil really loved to, like, slide in there during that time for me. He really loved to be like, oh, you're not loved, you're not worthy. And the really big one was that, oh, God's not going to show up here because this is all unfamiliar, all new. Um, How is he going to show up in your life in such a different place that you're not used to? Mm -hmm. And so my expectation um, around the earlier part of this year was, was pretty low. Um, I was like, I don't think God's really going to meet me in any significant way around this time. And I also have felt the call to ministry on my life um, from, from a young age, and I still feel that. But it, in my mind, it was like, that'll happen later on. That'll happen later on once I sort all this out, um, once I sort all this out. <laughs> Notice the issue there. <laughs> um, so so um, I also slept through the first chapel when all of this happened. Um, I was feeling, I was actually (laughs) feeling really sick the past couple days as well, Um, and I don't know what it was, but I was just, I skipped my class that day even, and I was just like, I just need to sleep, that's what I really need to do, Mm -hmm. and I'll feel better the next day. Um, And I had no clue this was going on until uh, I got a text from one of my friends like, uh, Gabe, you gotta come to chapel now. And I was like, all right, I got a few minutes to spare on my we'll walk to my next class. <laughs> um, I'll go check out what's going on. I'm Because I would love to be a part of it, whatever's whatever's going on. And I got there, and as soon as I stepped into that room, just an overwhelming sense of his presence mm. was so evident. It was so clear there and powerful mm. and I skipped that next class happily. (laughs) I was like, I want to be here right now. I don't want to leave. That same feeling, like, I just want to be here so badly, and everything else fell away. Um, But I won't lie, after I was there for a couple hours, just experiencing his presence and watching uh, these students worship and worshiping myself, I was still kind of like, you know, we're supposed to live in the now, not yet. So like, is this a thing like I stay at or like, do I go? To, I, have, I have more classes like God, what do you want me to do? And it was this beautiful moment for me as I was on the verge, like, what should I do? I see uh, my next class uh, with the professor leading the charge, all of my stu- fellow students walking into uh, chapel together. It was this beautiful picture of like uh, the community all coming together just to lay it all down and worship God. And that's when I was like, all right, Jesus, I'm staying here. I'm giving you the glory you deserve. Um, And I didn't leave. In fact, I became known on campus as the guy who, like, brought my mattress from my dorm. um, And I I put it behind the pews, and I just stayed the night there. Um, and spent all the next day. And it was just a beautiful time for me, just to, to like, dwell in God's presence. Like, I mean, despite the really loud instruments, it was, like, the best night of sleep I've ever had. <laughs> uh, just the warmth of his presence was so evident there. And in the coming days, for my personal life, as I know for many, many others, God really broke off the chains in my life that was on me. Like, you're not loved. You aren't... Um, like, nothing's going to happen here. Some of those lies that the devil had been feeding me, and I was starting to, they were kind of starting to slide under, and I was starting to believe them. And God just fully broke those off. And, like, everything that was happening was all just supernatural evidence that, that he has so much love for me and for everyone there um, with all different types of peoples and nations and no matter where you were or what color you are just anything just so many people um, were coming and just his love was just so evident Um, and if it wasn't um, evident for yourself it was evident to see in other people (laughs) Um, and it was evident for everybody so it was just a beautiful time and God broke off so many chains in my life um, things I've been struggling with and So that was the first part for me. The first few days was him changing my life. But then uh, a switch kind of got flipped. It was like, Gabe, I've filled you up. And now it's time for that ministry part that I've been calling you towards. Like, I don't have to wait to see what God's doing later in my life. Um, Like, I may be young, but that doesn't mean I don't get to act. Um, And so so then God kind of flipped a switch in my mind. Like, Gabe, I filled you up look at this ministry field i've given you <laughs> look at all these people pouring into your school who you've never seen before and so um god really gave me spiritual gifts there um, or helped me develop spiritual gifts mm. i was um, blessed with the gift of speaking in tongues mm. and even having prophetic words over people um and so i would just kind of sit and pray and look out over the crowd and god would like highlight people to me and i just mm. have a sense to just like i needed to go pray for them mm. And I would go and pray for people and um, okay, like occasionally speak in tongues. And uh, God would, I'd just start praying and like the Holy Spirit would bring to mind what to pray over them. And um, when I was done, they would be like, whoa, um, like you spoke exactly to what I needed in the moment. And I was Praise like, God. that's all God. I have no <laughs> clue. That was not me. <laughs> um, so throughout this whole experience and the privilege it was to minister in that way, um, God showed me a few things that have completely changed my life. That um, there's so much joy in His kingdom. Kind of like Grace was saying, like the the kingdom of heaven is not a place that's going to be bland or boring. Um, it's going to be filled with so much joy and excitement, and um, anything that relates to Jesus is going to be super exciting and exciting for His people. Um, and so, living instead of living that place of like um, doubt and lies like I've been God has shown me how to live through each day expectant ready to see him yeah. through each day yeah, yeah, right. um, ready to see what he's going to do with me mm. and also expectant for what he's going to do to other people mm. and how to be ready to serve mm. in the moment uh, and just live in that beautiful yeah. partnership with God
0: mm. yeah praise God isn't that great aren't we grateful that they're here so So, um, two things to note. Uh, Grace and Gabe are gonna be around in the Missions Cafe to pray with folks who are 25 and under. But at the end of the service, they're gonna be available with the rest of the prayer team to pray for everybody. So we're very glad that that's gonna be the opportunity. But we wanna give a special space for those of younger years, just to hear maybe a little bit more. We can make some space in the theater to pray um, and that would be great. But before we get into all of that and before we get into our Bible study, I'd really love for us to pray for them. How about that? Would that be good? And maybe we could extend our hands towards them. Just as you were sharing, um, I got this, and obviously there's no way that you could be his mother, but <laughs> but but I just got this thing about Hannah and Samuel. And so um, I just want to pray into that for you guys as we as we pray for you right now. Just extend your hand towards them, and let's pray for them. Lord, I thank you for grace and for Gabe. And I thank you, Lord, that your desire for both of them is to reveal more of yourself, that they might be even more powerful, effective vessels. And Lord, I pray for this sweet spirit of grace. Ask you, Lord, that like Hannah, as she longs, for you to birth a new thing through her, that, Lord, she would see that, and that, Lord, she would know that the promises that you've made to her will be fulfilled. And we pray for our dear brother, Gabe, and we thank you, Lord, that like Samuel, he laid down by the altar and was just listening for your voice. Lord, I pray that you'd raise him up as the leader that you've called him to be, and may he be one of those leaders that's the leader for the moment. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Round of applause for these guys, aren't they great? Well done, very good. If you give me those microphones, I'll give them to other people. So we're gonna get into DBC. I don't know if they've got enough time to get it all done today, but we'll have a go, eh? Uh, Chad's gonna come, we're gonna double head the DBC part, then Chad's gonna do the reflection at the end. We're into really the the kind of final stages of John's Gospel. Looks good, doesn't it, with two microphones? I feel like you're like one of those kind of guys with the two guns, you know. Um, and I think that we've got Jim, where's Jim? There you go, Jim, come on. So Jim, you got the slightly red-tinged microphone and you can do this side of the building. But unfortunately, the person that was gonna be on this side has not been able to kind of step in, so is there someone on this? Well, you don't have to be from this side, but, you know, is there somebody over here? That's the one right there. James and Jim. Thank you very much. Okay. We've got the, we've got the fan club for James here today, which is rather good. I'm a fan of James. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to read the scriptures together. And what I'd love for you to do, because this is a day that's about Jesus meeting individuals. It's about Jesus meeting individuals. We've heard these amazing stories of Jesus meeting individuals. And of course, he's meeting us as a crowd, but he has a special encounter that he has for you today. So as we read the text today, I'm gonna break it up into two sections. Just, Just begin to immerse yourself in the story. Allow yourself to take on one of the characters. Think to yourself, what was it like for that character? What were they seeing? What were they smelling? What were they hearing? What were they feeling with all of their senses as this amazing event took place and Jesus revealed himself as the risen Lord? I'm going to read from John chapter 20 and verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So let's just have a a moment's quiet. We'll read through the text again quietly. What's the thing that the Lord is saying to you today? What's the thing? Now, it may be that you're not familiar with that kind of a question. So just simply ask yourself this. What's the thing that strikes you in the passage? What is it that's highlighting itself to you in the passage and you may be saying well I don't know whether that's God but you don't know whether it isn't God either so just make the assumption that God's speaking to you and whatever the highlight is just stay there for a little while let's have a couple of minutes of quiet So what is it? What is it that's being highlighted to you? I'll tell you mine, just so as you get started. I was just struck by the fact that Mary saw Jesus as the gardener. And it was like it's the first day of creation. There's a man and a woman right in the presence of God, and it feels like they're in a garden just thought that that was just an amazing thing to me it just really struck me why don't you share with one other person near you what it is that you saw in the text what did you feel what did you sense what did you what did you uh, pick up from the passage Right, all right. Well, I'm guessing that you got something because everybody's kind of fully engaged in the conversation here. So, we've got, we've got Jim and James and we've got a whole congregation of people who are now quite familiar with this process. If you're not familiar, you're new to us. You know, you can go to lots and lots of churches and be entertained. You can be entertained by great preaching, charismatic leadership all that kind of stuff apex is about equipping people to hear two questions what's God saying to you what am I going to do about it those are the two questions of discipleship and so really the task of the staff here is to coach and to mentor and to encourage everyone that's part of apex just to move on in their work of Of being a disciple that makes disciples and so this is what we're doing right now we're learning how to hear God and how to respond to what it is that he's saying so what is it you picked up from the text what are we what are we saying so just put your hand up and we'll get a right here make sure you tell us who you are go right here at the beginning yeah tell us who you are and then tell us what you got nice and loud
2: Isn't that crazy? It is. And so to me, it just was the most important message of how no matter what our eyes see and our brain deceives and what we're thinking, that we always have to listen. Because all he had to do was say her name, and she instantly knew it was beautiful. She felt that connection. So Mm -hmm. I just thought it was neat that even though her eyes were deceiving her, her thought process and her emotions were deceiving her, that she just had to stop, close her eyes, and listen for one word. Yeah. And she knew that that was her savior. Yeah, so good.
0: So I'm gonna say, when he spoke, she could see him. Is that yeah. good? Thanks, Jordy. Yeah. What a great word. I mean, honestly, I couldn't preach a better sermon than that, that's awesome. Good job.
4: Well, I think someone said it was like when he said her name. Yeah. So anyway think back to the good.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Go on, you I can just, you can butt in if you want to. I was Shanae. just saying that it this was when This is she butts in all the time.
3: Hi, I do, but it's cute. <laughs> Hi. I was just saying it was when he spoke her name specifically that she yeah. was able to know who he was because yeah. he spoke before that and she still had no idea who was yeah. talking to her. It's yeah. personal,
0: it's personal it stuff, was wasn't it? It, it, t- it was, took me back stuff. to
3: when he said, like, wh- how, you know, God knows us by the hairs on our head, and in, uh, we're all individual sheep and created uniquely, yeah. and he, all, all it took was, like, he said her name, and he knew, she knew exactly who it was. Yeah.
4: It's good a, he word! That, that the good shepherd knows that the sheep hear his voice, they yeah. know his voice, and he knows them by yeah, name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, we don't have to work it up. We, he's just speaking to us anyway. What about over here? Have we got James over here? Go, oh, go, James, yeah.
2: Hi, Lindsay. Um, mine was kind of along the same lines but now, did you tell us your name again? Lindsay. Yes. Lindsay,
0: I didn't hear that. Did you hear uh, that? I, I did. Oh you heard that? Yeah. Okay. Excuse <laughs> me. I'll try Just tra- me. Sorry, let me Okay, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Come
2: on, you know me. You annoy him. I it was mine was kind of along the same lines, but to me it stuck out more that she was so caught up in her expectation and her version and her reality and her narrative mm-hmm. about what had happened that she wasn't able to see the truth at first
0: yeah, yeah. that's so good do you want to get put that up there that's so good thanks lindsay excellent what do we go what else we've got over here got mike uh, and marshy you're only yeah. gonna one per household yeah. you know we can, we're not allowed
5: uh, to go ahead Marsha. <laughs> okay um i'm, <laughs> I'm messing i'm messing with you mike you know
1: that <laughs> um I, I, along the same line you know she was so sure someone had taken the body away but there were two angels there and they were they were dressed in white so they
5: they looked different than (laughs) the the other people that she would see day to day sure and and it didn't occur to her that that you know that he had arisen or you know something something supernatural had happened
0: you've got to think that when she goes away she's thinking okay so they were sitting in a grave they were wearing white who were they? I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing, isn't it? Yeah, but as you say, she's so caught up in all of that emotion and stuff. And very good, very good.
5: Mike. Oh, I gotta say, uh, it's Mike. Um, what I saw for me, because I came here and with a burden.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: That's all right. Just take your time, Mike.
5: It's been a week coming. <laughs> Mary's in the same place as we, we would have, How would you feel? Yeah. Out of his three years of life, he spent 18, 20 months with them. Mm-hmm. And then, so she's in tragedy. She wants to make that connection again. Yeah. And then comes the word of God in the form of two angels. Yeah. That redirect and the, 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 the tears are replaced by joy. Yeah. and um, that is how God works in my life and how he's working at this very moment mm. and it's not that I didn't know who Jesus was I f- keep thinking i got to reconnect the way it was yesterday yeah, or the mm. day before every day with Jesus is a new day mm. and uh, I just love that connection mm. that's what it said to me wow thank you
0: that's so good isn't that great give him so a round of applause goodness. for that isn't that awesome so so Mary got to connect in a new way, mm-hmm. for a new day. Yeah. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Wow. Anybody hearing God? Anybody hearing God right now? Three people. Wow. You're so stony hearted, I can't What's the problem with you guys? What about over here?
1: Hi, my name is Rebecca.
0: Hey Um, Rebecca.
1: I love how Jesus speaks to Mary and he tells her to go to his brothers and to tell them Mm. that he's ascending because she was a woman. And he gives Ah. this woman the very first presentation of the full and complete gospel. And not only a woman, but a woman who was devastated Mm. and broken. Mm. And just a moment ago was the most unlikely, like, messenger of joy.
0: Mm. Isn't that amazing? Jesus just turns the tables on all of our expectations, doesn't he? Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, if that's a, a surprise to us, imagine in those days when they didn't think that a woman was allowed to give testimony in a court of law. And here she is, she's the first evangelist of the good news. Isn't that awesome? Well done. Let's have a couple more and then we'll move on in our little thing. There we are. This is not, it's not another Rebecca, is it? It
2: it is. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Two Rebeccas in a row. I I was just tagging on to the expectations of, um, you know, I think when she went there, she went to, to honor him and to... Um, take care of his body, knowing yeah. the trauma it had been through. And I think part of the reason she didn't recognize him was because he didn't look the way she expected him to look. I mean, the yeah. dude had been beat, like, pretty rough, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, and 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 deceased for three days. So her, her expectation was not, I don't know what Jesus looked like in the garden, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't what he looked like when he got put in that tomb. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm sure that her expectations were just... Yeah. Um, You know she was there to grieve and she wasn't prepared for that joy Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it took her that moment of him saying her name for her to sort of recalibrate and reset herself Mm -hmm. and to go oh all these things he said came probably came flooding back yeah Yeah. Yeah. and now we're in the new and you know
4: new way for a new day
0: (laughs) yeah so it's um it's expectations And emotions changed by seeing Jesus as risen. Is that is that fair? Is that, is that a good way of putting it, Rebecca? Thank you very much. Okay, one more over here.
1: Hello, everyone. My name Hello. is Jalen. Jalen representing form. She um,
0: representing form. She oh you're representing form we yeah. love that thank you.
1: Um, I just believe that this um, passage is just talking to me about how God is doing something new and it was almost as if when Mary was crying her eyes out she almost missed what God was doing until he redirected her and called out his name. Mm. It's something in the power of our own names that we hardly even see when people call us it redirects us into their direction. But yeah. God redirected Mary and said, hey, I, I need you to do this and go out and do what I need you to do. It's time yeah, that's to put great. in the work, you know.
0: So, that's so good. That's so good. Being redirected, even in the moment when you're really at the bottom of bottom of the valley. That's great, isn't it? Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we read a little bit more in the passage? And let's keep, keep this idea going that we're immersing ourselves in the experience because the next portion is really what happens after Mary goes and speaks to the disciples. And the disciples are kind of wondering what's going to happen next. And we see a story unfold where a particular individual amongst the disciple band encounters Jesus afresh. So let's, uh, let's read into that. It's from verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders... Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. A couple of minutes again, just quietly. Let's not do any chatting or talking. Let's just allow whatever it is God wants to say to us through this passage. What is it that's highlighted to you? Maybe something that you're not expecting. So just share with one other person again. The reason we do this is just to kind of get the wheels moving in our hearts and minds because sometimes it's hard to really frame what it is that we see unless we start talking. So just share with one other person what it is that you see in the text that's kind of highlighted to you important. Go ahead. Make sure the other person shares as well. Not just one person sharing, the other person too. (laughs) All right. We've got Jim and James ready to rock and roll. Right there. I know who you are, but you've got to tell us in a minute. Wait a minute. Is the mic coming from James. Right so, there. Joseph. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm Patrick's dad, Joseph. <laughs> um,
5: I was just thinking, what were they scared of? They saw Jesus raised from the dead and they're <laughs> hiding from the Jews. They knew that he had been raised from the dead and mm-hmm. he said he was going to be. Why were they so scared?
0: <laughs> you mean what's the I mean here's Jesus he's now conquered death he's now conquered the grave and he's defeated all sin and sadness but there are people who may be going to get him huh is that, is that what you're thinking yeah. yeah yeah I get that I maybe they hadn't kind of put it all together yet what do you think are you going to put that up for gotcha. Joseph there that's great right there oh hello anoth- another Jim yes okay Jim gym, Jim gym, gym. yes uh, anyways,
5: I was struck, uh, the first thing that Jesus says is forgive the sins. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why is that? Where did that come from? Yeah. And I'm wondering if he's trying to tell the disciples, forgive the sins of the people that put me to death. Forgive huh. the sins of the persecutors. Forgive those wow. and then move on. Wow. Because where else, I mean, where does that come from? They didn't ask about sin. They didn't do anything. They just, he just comes up with that. So I'm wondering if he's just I've trying to say. I've never
0: even, I've never even considered that before, Jim. But I think that's a really, really. I mean, he's kind of insight. putting, every,
5: you know, putting things.
0: <laughs> forget the past. Yeah. Let's move forward. That's so cool. So cool. Okay, over there, James.
2: Hi,
1: I'm Jazzy, um, James's daughter. Um, I. Um, I just, what stood out to me was, um, he said, he showed them his hands and they were joyful to see him, not, oh, are you okay, like, are you hurt or anything, they were just
2: happy to see him. <laughs> yeah. Which,
0: yeah. Yeah. And what do you, th- Jazzy, what do you think that, that he's trying to convey by that? Uh, I
2: don't
1: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's me, <laughs> it's me.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, like, they're like, oh, yeah, like i'm not some lunatic like saying i'm jesus like i actually like look at my hand i rose from the dead
0: yeah it's kind of like a signature isn't it it's almost like yeah. saying you it really is i mean i know you don't believe it but it really is kind of thing yeah that's yeah. great yeah mike it was interesting to me then when thomas isn't there thomas comes in and the first thing he says is i won't believe unless i see that exact same thing that was the signature of I guess everyone was looking for. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the thing. And isn't it interesting that Jesus got a perfect body and yet he still bears scars? Don't you love that?
2: Mm -hmm. Hey, just as
0: a little reminder. Scars of glory. It's just incredible, isn't it? Forgive the people who killed me. Is that fair, Jim? And it really is me. Is that fair, Jazzy? I'm putting it there. I'm hoping that you're okay with that. Okay, good deal. Maybe one, one more. We've got. Oh, is this a little voice down here at the front? Hang on. Well, Mike.
2: Wait Mike. a minute. We want everybody Hello. to
4: speak. Mike. So we we'll Re- Rebecca's got the mic. <laughs> oh, you're on the
0: microphone, Rebecca, I didn't see you there,
4: sorry. You. definitely I'm heard.
2: the third Rebecca, so we've had three. Yes, years. the third Rebecca, is everyone, yeah. third Rebecca. Well, everyone names, must be a pattern not
4: here. James or Rebecca, please raise your hand yes, sure. <laughs> not a James <laughs> or Rebecca. Yes.
0: James and Rebecca, you're only allowed to, those two names in this church, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, for me, it was just, I think, um, how interesting it is in life that we meet so many people that struggle with belief you know their faith yeah. you know they have to have this tangible thing and for Christ to actually give us his tangible mm. disciple or you know the same thing you know yeah. this relatable thing yeah. um, I just think that's so cool just yeah. that little
0: totally so so here's the thing so Jesus wants people to believe and the way he gets them to believe is not to speak into a darkened room a voice from heaven he comes and does something tangible so that they know that they can believe, which is awesome, isn't it? It's basically, come on, you tell us who you are and then say what you think.
3: I'm Eden and what stood out to me was that the first thing he said both times he um, visited the disciples was oh, right. peace be with you.
0: Oh, isn't that great? And what do you think, why do you think he did that?
1: So they wouldn't be afraid that he
3: yeah. showed up just out of nowhere.
0: That's yeah. Like somebody just appears in the room. It's going to be a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. That's Great. Eden. A round yeah. of applause for Eden. Yeah. Hey. Eh? All right. So, I'm going to I'm going to turn this board around so that so that uh, Chad's got something to work with, and then I'm going to let him go for it. Is that all right?
4: Yeah, I get just started there. Is that okay?
0: You going to do it that way?
4: Yep. All right. All right. All good right. job, everyone. All right. You? Yeah. Hey, let's thank the Lord for what he's shown us Yay. so far. Yeah, so good. Well, I think you guys have set me up quite well. I think we're really kind of on the same page. There's not a lot of uh, over explaining I have to do or anything like that. But um, uh, you know, it's interesting that to me that the, uh, the 20th century philosopher, uh, French philosopher, Albert Camus, said that there's really only one serious philosophical question that we should be asking. And it had to do with whether or not we should kill ourselves. Welcome to Apex. Uh, But really, it's a matter of, uh, Camus observed that life is just, uh, life is so absurd that what is the reason that we have to go on living? Uh, And how you answer the question, is life worth living, depends on the story that you believe that you're living in. How do you answer the question, what story do I believe I'm living in? What is the story of this world? What is the nature of reality? And there's lots of stories that are believed in our culture. One story is that this world is a random accident, and we are animals, human beings, we're just merely animals that is a byproduct of a thousand other random accidents, but it really doesn't mean anything other than just whatever meaning or purpose that you can arbitrarily and subjectively apply to yourself. There's also the story that's a bit kind of Epicurean in nature that if God does exist, he's far, he's distant, but he's not really concerned with the details and certainly not interested in working within this world and the day-to-day life. So eat, drink, and be merry because we only have this one life, so let's squeeze all the juice we can out of this lemon. And then there's the narrative that there is no narrative, that that, uh, it rejects, all every idea of a meta-narrative, that all meta-narratives are just merely power plays, and that each person needs to kind of just adopt and live out their own story, live your own truth, uh, assert yourself and express yourself. The story of the Bible, though. Is that God created a good world that was tossed into chaos because of sin, but through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God is bringing about order back to his chaotic creation and setting things right once again. And so we believe that, we believe in resurrection, we believe in God doing a new thing, a a new uh, way for a new day, that kind of thing. We believe in that because of the resurrection of Jesus, and we believe in the resurrection of Jesus based on the testimony of his apostles who saw him. So there are two lines of evidence for the apostles, and I'm going to um, uh, abbreviate here. Last week, uh, last week we read about the empty tomb. What we just read today, we read about the appearances. And they both go together. You know, one is not complete without the other. Because if the disciples uh, were only aware of the empty tomb, but you don't have the appearances, it's not likely you would get this big movement of, you know, claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. Because we see Mary Magdalene, she saw the empty tomb, but it, she did not immediately conclude Resurrection. And I doubt that the other disciples were going to believe in resurrection and be willing to give their life for resurrection just based on the testimony of the way that John saw his grave clothes laying there. I don't think that was going to be compelling enough for them to turn the world upside down. However, if you have only the appearances, but you don't have an empty tomb, in other words, the corpse is still in the grave, you still don't have resurrection, you just have people just seeing things, right? So if unless you have both, the whole movement of resurrection doesn't get off the ground. But because you have an empty tomb and because we have Jesus appearing to people, we have a stronger one-two that creates a much more compelling case that this is an event that happened in space-time history. And that is the story of the world and it is a reason for our hope, a reason to go on living. But, um... So let's look at these kind of uh, vignettes of Jesus appearing to uh, these different people because before he appeared to them, they each had their own version of the story. As somebody said here, they were each caught up in their own narrative. So we start with uh, Mary Magdalene. We have the disciples, I'll just call them the 10. Uh, you know, minus Judas, minus Thomas. So we'll call them the ten. And then Thomas. Three vignettes of Jesus appearing alive in a body to people. So Mary, what was the story that she believed? And what were kind of the emotional results that, um, that happened because of what she believed? She saw the empty tomb, but we saw she didn't immediately put two and two together and conclude resurrection. She was committed to this story that his body was taken. In other words, in Mary's mind, she, she was still trying to honor the body of, a dead, um, of her dead friend. It may have been that you know we see in other gospels that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. So Jesus may have been a personal savior for her, but now that he was dead, he couldn't go and save anybody else. He wasn't the savior of the world. He was her own personal Jesus, but not the savior of the world. So, she goes. Her story is that they've taken his body, and this—what this, this did—I mean, she's already grieving. But you know, there's <laughs> to uh, abuse the body of a corpse was a huge, you know, abhorrent thing in Jewish culture. So this was kind of like salt on the wound for his body to be taken, and who knows what people are doing with it. So uh, she's already grieving, and, and it feels that—it seems that what Mary is experiencing here is this kind of hopeless grief. She's not even allowing herself to dare to believe that something other than he's been taken, she's not even allowing herself to believe that he is risen, uh, apart from um, Jesus himself coming to her. But here she's experiencing a hopeless grief until, until, as is pointed out, he says her name. she she hears from the angels uh, woman why are you crying this isn't a question where they're trying to get information (laughs) why are you crying is more about making a point the point is you need a new story you need a new story you have no reason to cry and Jesus comes along and asks her the same thing she doesn't recognize him at first until again he says her name and what he does when he says her name he changes her story it's now a story, not of hopelessness, but a story of hope. But then there's this interesting and kind of difficult thing to translate, uh, not translate, but to interpret, Mary, don't hold on to me. Uh, as, if, as if almost like, Mary, don't touch me. Because here, he says, Mary, don't touch me. But later, he says, Thomas, touch me, right? So why, why is he like, don't touch me, but then touch me? What is this about? It, it seems that he's saying to Mary, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me as if you're going to lose me again. And don't cling to me as if it's always going to be this way, because it's not. You're going to experience me in a new way, because I'm ascending to the Father. And once I ascend to the Father, I will live within you, but not only you, all of my believers. It's going to be different, but don't cling to me this way. Don't try to keep this a private experience that won't just be me and you in the garden forever, but this is good news for the whole world, so you need to go and tell my brothers that I'm ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. All the family language here. My father, your father, my brothers. Go tell the family the good news. So not only does he change her story from hopelessness and grief, he he gives her a story of hope and purpose. Go tell my brothers. She is the sent one to the sent ones. So she goes and she tells them, do you think they believe her? Probably not. Why? Because the doors are still locked. The the doors are still locked. As we said, the doors were locked because they were afraid of the Jews, afraid of the Jewish leaders, because after all, if they could do what they did to Jesus, if they start picking us off one by one, they're going to see to it that we don't start rumors of keeping this movement going. So they they felt under threat. So Locked away, their story, and their story still more or less believing that Jesus was dead, their story was that they wasted the last three years of their life. Their story is that they were so committed and though they saw Jesus do amazing things that he was not the awaited Messiah that they were hoping for because he's dead. And in their story, according to their story, Messiah doesn't die. The Old Testament says, cursed is the one that is hanged on a tree. So we wasted the last three years of our lives and now the Jewish leaders are going to be after us. That's their story. So it's a story that for them led to isolation and fear, being locked away from the rest of the world and and afraid. But then Jesus, through those locked doors, suddenly appears among them and as Eden points out, peace be with you. He says it twice. Uh, it, it was this, likely this greeting, this, this Hebrew gre- greeting that is still around today, uh, shalom aleikum." Shalom aleikum. Shalom, of course, is a word that means peace, but it's peace not in just terms of a lack of stress, but peace in terms of wholeness, completeness, everything as it was meant to be, experience the full benefits of the kingdom of God in your heart and in your life. Shalom. Put away your fear, because I I know that your world has been rocked over this past, since Friday, but I've come to bring you peace. And what was their response when they saw him? They were overjoyed. The text tells us they were overjoyed to see him. So Jesus changes their story from isolation and fear to a story of shalom, peace, peace and joy. That's a different story, isn't it? The resurrection flips the script, doesn't it? But then there's my friend Thomas. I call him my friend because I can relate. Um, Thomas wasn't there among the ten. He was late for chapel. He, uh, he's, 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 he slept in. He wasn't feeling too so hot. Um, but God still showed up. <laughs> Jesus came. You know, so Thomas, what, what was Thomas's story? Probably similar to the 10 I've wasted the last three years of my life. And, and though, you know, at risk of being accused of psychologizing the text because it doesn't say it here, I'm sure Thomas was feeling a number of different emotions here. I can't help but insist that Thomas felt a level of disappointment, Right? I mean, like I had put all my eggs in this basket, and they all cracked. I I, I can't allow myself to hope again because everything is just a disappointment. Every, nothing gold can stay. So Thomas was experiencing disappointment. Is there two as? No, I. You should probably look these words up, Chad. Disappoint Dissipatutis. You are the last person I'll ask how to spell things. I'd be, I'd be, yeah, I'd be spelling that backwards, wouldn't I? Uh, disappointment disappointment and doubt. Disappointment and doubt. Uh, and We live in a world and in a culture that definitely knows uh, disappointment. And unless you have a story where there is some redemptive edge to suffering and hardship, it's gonna embitter you and leave you disappointed. And the only thing our culture has to offer to that kind of embitterment and disappointment is distraction. It's the distraction of Netflix, social media, and 24-hour news cycles. Other than that, there's no answer for it. There's no hope. But unless your story has a redemptive edge for suffering and and hardship and disappointment, you're going to be left there. But once again, Jesus flips the script. He says, Thomas, well, first of all, he says once again, peace be with you for the third time. Shalom, shalom aleikum. Thomas, you want my scars? Here they are. You want my stab wounds? Here they are. Stop unbelieving and be believing. Thomas responds with what you can call the crescendo of the Gospel of John. My Lord and my God. One of the greatest confessions of who Jesus actually is, said by a guy who was just 10 seconds before doubting it all in disappointment. Jesus changes the story of Thomas of disappointment and doubt flips the script, and it becomes a story of awe and belief. And of course, each of these six results of the new story are not merely applied to the individual vignettes. Certainly, Mary also had awe and belief and peace and joy. They kind of spill over, right? This resurrection story offers hope, purpose, peace, joy, awe, and belief. And that is a story that our culture doesn't have but is dying for. But it's a story that if you believe, all of these things are available to you through resurrection. Do you remember this um, popular thing in churches 10 to 15 years ago, uh, cardboard testimonies? On one side, people people would hold up a a piece of cardboard that said kind of like they're before, and then they would flip it to talk about how Jesus has flipped the script and changed their story. You know, I was, I, I was hopeless and addicted, but now I'm adopted and, you know, accepted and loved by Jesus, things like that. Here, here you have essentially cardboard testimonies. You know, Mary walks up. At once I had hopeless grief, but I was given hope and a purpose. The disciples could come up with their cardboard. We, were, we had isolation and fear. But now we have peace and joy. Thomas, his cardboard says, Disappointment and doubt to awe and belief. I recently saw a cardboard testimony that um, there was a woman who walked up next with, with a man and they both had their pieces of cardboard and her cardboard that she held up at first said, Diagnosed with MS in 2007. The man next to her held up his cardboard and it said, I'm her doctor, her neurologist, and then the word unchurched. He flipped his cardboard over and said, Baptized, Easter 2008. She flipped her cardboard and it said, Worth it. Because her story, what she believed about her story, was not MS puts me in hopeless grief and isolation and fear and disappointment and doubt. Even though I have MS, that's not my whole story. The big story is a story of resurrection where I have hope, purpose, peace, joy, awe, and belief. And if my testimony can bring about faith in him, worth it. Well, I'm afraid anything I'll say now is just going to ruin all that. So, uh. <laughs> But it is. It, Jesus, as he commissions Mary, he commissions the disciples. That whole thing about forgiveness is about preaching the message of forgiveness. And, of course, Thomas goes to India with that same hope. And they'll, each of them suffered their own things. But they will tell you today, you know, <laughs> worth it.